shining a light on autism and life as an autistic person. Welcome to My Friend Autism, a podcast breaking down barriers, stigma and misconceptions around autism while increasing understanding and acceptance of the autistic community. And now, here's your neurodivergent host, Orion Kelly. Welcome, my friend. I'm Orion Kelly, that autistic guy. I'm all about helping you raise your level of understanding, acceptance and appreciation of the autistic community. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, join what I reckon is the best YouTube community you are going to find, okay, for neurodivergent people. Trust me, Orion Kelly, that autistic guy, my primary YouTube channel, join that and you'll be a part of the community. And there's this channel, my dedicated video podcast YouTube channel, Orion Kelly Podcasts. But you may just be listening to this wherever you get your podcasts, and that's cool. Oh, it's, great to, it's great to see you. How is 2005? <clears throat> okay, <sighs> that was rude. In fact, it, well, we're probably at MP3s at best then. Anyway, let's move on. All right, now, <laughs> on this particular video podcast slash audio podcast edition of My Friend Autism, we are going to talk about Alice in Wonderland Syndrome. Yes, you heard me right, my friends. We are going to talk about the surreal world of Alice in Wonderland Syndrome and its relationship with autism and, more broadly, neurodivergent people. Starting at the start, as always, hang on, Ryan, what in the world are you talking about? What is Alice in Wonderland syndrome? You finally lost it. What are you just making stuff up now? <laughs> <That's, clears throat> no, chat GPT is. <laughs> Sorry. I, I apologize once again. I've, I think I've apologized twice and we've been going for less than two minutes. Wow. All right. Alice in Wonderland syndrome, also known as Todd's syndrome. It's a relatively rare neurological condition that affects perception and causes individuals to experience visual and auditory hallucinations, distorted body image, and other symptoms that can be like those experienced by autistic people. Now, when I read that list, if you're autistic, right, you're probably going, hang on a second. I mean, hello, this is me, right? I mean, I'm, I'm an autistic person. I never see my body the way it's distorted. That's me. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, my friends. Yeah, I'm visual and auditory things and perceptions and all that kind of stuff. That sounds pretty, pretty comfortable. Like, that's just being autistic. Turns out it's not specifically just for being autistic. Many people, including neurodivergent people, can experience Alice in Wonderland syndrome. Now, I guess you can look at it like this, because a lot of people say, you know, can I be a little bit autistic? Like, can I be like slightly or mildly? And a lot of people, you have to keep in mind, a lot of people are coming from a good place. It's a genuine question. It's like, if I ask a question about a topic I don't know about, the person that knows about it might go, well, that's such a stupid question, right? But that's, that's not going to help anyone. So what I tend to tell people is, you know what? So you can't actually, the answer is no. You can't be slightly or a little bit autistic. That you're either, you either are autistic or you aren't. You are either born autistic or you are not born autistic. Now, here's the thing, though. You can, like many other diagnosable conditions, you can have 
particular traits. You can have particular traits or experiences that may make up a broader diagnosis, but of course you don't have the complete collection, the, the amount, the threshold of traits, right, of particular conditions to receive a diagnosis. So you may experience autistic traits, and that is not uncommon. And think about it too, genetically. You know, if you have uh, an autistic child, well, then clearly you or the person that helped you make that child uh, are either autistic, have, you know, autistic genes or have parents, you know, up the line, up the chain that are autistic. Okay, what, what undiagnosed or diagnosed. So in addition to that, you may, in having that, provide those genes on to the next generation. But of course, those, those particular generations might not receive them in a sense that they are autistic, but they still have some autistic traits. Okay, cool. So that's kind of how I explain that idea, that question around, this sounds like one thing or another. All right, so uh, I guess, do I need to go into the whole background? Uh, I can if you want. So you get that Alice in Wonderland, right? It's a story. You've probably seen seven different versions of it, cartoons, movies, right? Well, it's, so it's that, that, that famous novel. I think it's Lewis Carroll, right? And I guess the point is, the symptoms experienced by characters and obviously, conversely, people in real life, they're kind of similar, right? This kind of strange, surreal experience the characters have in the story Alice in Wonderland are kind of analogous to individuals in the real world. That's where it kind of got its name from. So the symptoms of Alice in Wonderland syndrome, they obviously vary greatly from person to person, but typically... They include changes in the size and shape of objects. Who can relate to that? Difficulties with time perception. Who can relate to that? And visual and auditory hallucinations. Okay, so that's the groundwork. Now let's dig deeper and let's go into the whole Alice in Wonderland syndrome and autism and more broadly neurodivergent people. So what is the relationship? Well, let's talk about it. These, for starters are two distinct conditions. You may have many co-occurring conditions as a neurodivergent person. Great, but they're not the same thing. So Alice in Wonderland syndrome, autism, distinct conditions. Of course, like I just said, they can sometimes occur together. Neurodivergent people, from my own personal experiences, very rarely do not have co-occurring conditions. It almost comes with the package. All right, so it's also been suggested that autistic people may be more susceptible to experiencing symptoms of Alice in Wonderland syndrome. So maybe not the condition, but symptoms of traits of which include things like sensory overload and perceptual difficulties. Additionally, some researchers believe the symptoms of Alice in Wonderland syndrome May also, and this is really bizarre, but I'm just going to put it out there because it's you know some researchers suggest it may actually be related to migraine headaches. In other words, they, there may be some sort of scientific connection between those who suffer from migraine headaches and those who have Alice in Wonderland syndrome. Now, it's also been suggested that autistic people may more commonly experience migraine headaches than non-autistic people. Again, it's a grain of salt type stuff. You might relate to that. You might not. But it reads into the neurological connection, right? The brain. So 
We all, we, we will all well and truly know, and if we don't, you know now, autism is nothing but the brain, nothing but a different brain. There's nothing else in your body apart from those, I don't know, atoms and genes and all that kind of stuff. You see what I'm saying? All right, so that makes sense. It's important to note, though, that not all autistic people are going to experience Alice in Wonderland syndrome, and conversely, not all people that experience Alice in Wonderland syndrome. Did that come out in English in any respect? I'm not editing that, by the way. You can deal with it. I've got better things to do. So I don't. I really don't. I apologise. That's three in the, in the first under 10 minutes. Not all individuals who experience Alice in Wonderland syndrome will be autistic. However, there is a relationship between the two conditions that can help individuals and families better navigate the challenges that come with them. So that's what we're going to focus on. Let's focus on the connection between neurodivergent people, autistic people alike, and Alice in Wonderland syndrome. All right, examples to help. Examples of how you, an autistic person, a neurodivergent person, may experience Alice in Wonderland syndrome. All right, so hopefully this will help you. The first one, micropsia. Micropsia. M-I-C-R-O-P. S-I-A. We may experience objects appealing, appearing smaller than they actually are. Obviously causes confusion, disorientation. Okay, so think about it like that. Objects appear smaller to you than they actually are. And we talk about this a lot of times, autistic people. As we talk about it from the, I think it's proprioception your understanding of where you are in space, right? So things seem smaller. And this can happen a lot to autistic people. I'm sure you can relate to this. If you can't, you've done nothing wrong. Let's go. Maybe we'll relate to this one. Let's reverse it. How about macropsia? Macro. From micro to macro. Objects may appear larger than they actually are, leading to sensory overload and an increased sense of anxiety. Things appearing larger than they actually are, leading to many things like anxiety. So it's basically, you know, like you're a neurodivergent person that has that warning sign you see on cars. You know, like objects may appear, does it say closer? Or larger or bigger? You know, it doesn't matter. You see what I'm saying? So these are examples of how neurodivergent people can experience Alice in Wonderland syndrome. These are things that you shouldn't be experiencing Right, because they're not larger than than you think they are. They're not smaller than you think they are. Right, but it's it, they are to you. The next experience is pelopsia. That's P E L O P S I A. Now this is where objects appear to be closer or further away. Mm. Okay, so we've got bigger, smaller, and now I've got objects appear to be closer or further away than they actually are. That's like the car mirror thing, right? Now that's obviously going to throw up some difficulties. Because when you think about it, so if our, whole, if our whole job is to just kind of navigate life, if things are ceiling smaller or bigger or closer or further, how in the hell are you supposed to navigate life? That I mean, honestly, this is why I'm, probably this is why people like me, autistic people are, People will class them as clumsy or unco, right? Banging into things, running into things, missing things, not being able to catch things, right? Just these kind of things. Many zings. 
I zing, zing. See, when you have kids, all you do is you refer to movies. And at the moment, it's just, it's just drag. Hotel Transylvania references. Zing. <sighs> Sandler. Another experience that you may have as an autistic person, a neurodivergent person with Alice in Wonderland syndrome, is a distorted perception of time. Isn't there like weird time clocks and stuff in the story, Alice in Wonderland? Well, this is interesting. As autistic people, you may experience this. That doesn't mean you will experience it just because you're autistic, but as an autistic person that experiences Alice in Wonderland syndrome, time may seem to speed up or slow down. That obviously makes it difficult to keep pace with your daily life, your daily routine. Very common for some autistic people is time can speed up when you are spending it on your special interests, your passions, the things that you want to do in life, your deep dives. And time can seem to slow down when you are not. An example for me as a dad, an autistic dad, with autistic kids, kid, is the weekends. Not much you can get done on the weekends and time seems to just stand still. It goes forever. Yep. And then when you're the weekdays and you're doing your thing, go so fast like, oh man, it's the weekend again. Bloody weekends. Yeah, that's right. I don't like weekends. What, do you got a problem with that? You don't want to my judgment, by the way. If you, if, you, if you like weekends and you don't like the weeks, you have to reevaluate your life, my friend. What, have you, what are you doing? What are you doing that five days out of seven you don't like? Do you understand what I've just said? Five days out of seven you don't like? Hello, you're alive. You're going to die soon. Could it happen any time? Hello, let's enjoy life, peeps. Move on. All right, another example of how you might experience Alice in Wonderland syndrome. Uh, an increased sensitivity to light and sound. Bright lights, loud noises may exacerbate symptoms of Alice in Wonderland syndrome, causing additional distress. So think about it. Autistic people, we have sensory needs. Hypersensitive, hyposensitive, over, under, right? Okay, well, if we have those, they actually might exacerbate the symptoms, right? So you have sensory overload, and therefore you're exacerbating symptoms of Alice in Wonderland syndrome, potentially things we've already talked about. Maybe the next one, an altered perception of body image. We may experience changes in our perception of our own body size, our own body shape. This can lead to many things. Discomfort, anxiety, self-hatred, loathing, whatever. Disorders, who knows, conditions. This is an interesting one. Um, I'll tell you why. Because, you know, as an autistic person, we already have many issues to work through with regards to being different and fitting in and rejection. And then when you have these types of issues with perception, including your, your own body image, your own body size, the look of you in the mirror, how you, how you see your reflection, it just gets even more complex. I don't see anything I like in the mirror. I don't see what other people see. I don't, my perception of me, my body, my size, my shape, everything. It's not what people tell me it is, but that doesn't make any difference to me. Well, it is to me and I'm me and it's not good. 
it's unhealthy and it doesn't help. But it's, I'm sure it's something you can relate to. Right? I mean, presumably. I don't know. But it's a, it's a really big thing. And, you know, perce- an alter perception of your body image, you know, whether you're, you know, um, battling the standards of beauty, you know, whether you're young, old, whatever, you know, male, female, whatever, it's tricky in different ways. And, and this presents challenges that can add to your life, a life that is already riddled with challenges, right? So it's, yeah, it's a tricky weight to carry. Another example of how neurodivergent people can experience Alice in Wonderland syndrome is disordered thinking. Huh? All right, so basically the syndrome can cause you to experience disordered thinking and confusion, which means in having this disordered thinking, this disordered confusion, you have this overall decline in your well-being. If the way you think and perceive is muddied up, is confused, is disordered, again, we are just piling one challenge on top of another. But that's actually an experience. Another example. A difficulty with social interactions. Okay, so the... The distorted perceptions that you experience with Alice in Wonderland syndrome may actually make it difficult to engage in social interactions. Putting aside being autistic. So you're autistic, and as part of being autistic, you have challenges in social communication interaction at a level non-autistic people can't relate to. In addition to that, if you experience Alice in Wonderland syndrome, you have further challenges, which can be these types of distorted perceptions that we've talked about. And they pile on and make it even harder to engage effectively socially, to communicate, to interact. It's a whole nother level. All right, a couple more, and then we're going to talk about some strategies. All right. So let's talk about increased sensitivity to touch. Again, autistic people have sensitivities, sensory sensitivities. Touch can be a big one. Some days it's okay, other days it's like a spider or a snake bit you. That's how you react to being touched. You may experience increased sensitivity to touch as part of Alice in Wonderland syndrome, which will make it difficult to engage in physical activities or even tolerate certain textures. So you can see here there's crossover, but there's also two distinct conditions. The final one, an example of autistic people experiencing Alice in Wonderland syndrome, altered perception of space. So your space may seem distorted, which obviously makes it difficult to navigate around, right? Your surroundings will be hard to navigate, which leads to making it very hard to maintain some sort of sense of safety and stability in your surroundings. If your surroundings constantly feel distorted, if your perception of your surroundings or environment are altered. So you can see, how, you know, it has this correlation to the characters in Alice in Wonderland, the story, but also as a condition, as a recognised condition, it can uh, really make life even harder for neurodivergent people. When you think about the challenges we face and then all these altered perceptions, it just is extraordinarily hard to navigate life. So I'll do my best to try and help. 
key strategies. All right, I've got some key strategies for you that you can use hopefully to cope with symptoms of Alice in Wonderland syndrome. We're going to talk about developing coping strategies first, okay? You want to work out, for starters, work out the perception issues, that the, the alteration of perceptions you're having trouble with the most. We've gone through quite a lot. All right, now, what strategies can you include to cope with those particular challenges, those particular perception issues? It might be relaxation things. It might be breathing exercises, meditation. It might be grounding techniques. This is up to you. What helps you cope? Use those. Work those out. Another one is keep a diary. What do you mean keep a diary? What Dear diary, today I didn't have breakfast. And then I spoke bizarrely to a group of people watching and listening to me online. No, uh, no I don't mean that. I mean, keep a diary of the symptoms, bozo. What are you talking? What do you mean? Hello? A diary of the symptoms. A diary of the triggers that brought on these types of perception issues. And also how that affected you, how that impacted your daily life. So you'll identify them. You'll find the patterns. You'll find the triggers. And you can use that to help you with how to cope, how to regulate, how to overcome. Make sense? Another one, and this is really a big one. You've got to maintain regular sleep schedules, okay? Because Alice in Wonderland symptoms can definitely be exacerbated by lack of sleep, by sleep deprivation, or irregular sleeping patterns, which are very common for autistic people. You might sometimes go to bed early, sometimes late, get up early, get up late, wake up in the middle of the night, stay awake for a bit, go back to sleep. These kind of things don't make it your life easy. I know there's struggles with sleep, but you need to try and work out a way to have better sleep hygiene. It's going to help you lessen the risk that you continually trigger. Things you don't need to be triggering, trust me. So sleep's a big one. You need to develop and stick to a consistent sleep routine. You can do this. Another strategy to help you as a neurodivergent person cope with Alice in Wonderland syndrome is manage your stress. Why? Because stress triggers Alice in Wonderland syndrome. In fact, stress triggers many challenges for autistic people. These are the controllables. You have to control the controllables, guys. Develop stress management techniques. Again, it might be the relaxation stuff, the mindfulness stuff, getting outside, special interest stuff, alone time, proper sleep, you get your, whatever it is. Playing with your T-shirt. People watching you awkwardly touch yourself. That's bizarre. I apologize. That's fourth. Okay. Uh, avoid known triggers. This is another one, right? So you know you've got triggers. Like, the diary is to find out things you don't know, but you know there are. You know what triggers you. Right? You know the triggers that set you off. Okay, well, avoid those. It could be certain foods, right? Think about your diet, your sleep, the types of medications you're taking, the types of activities that you may be pushing yourself to do or pushed into doing that you know exacerbate and trigger the things that you are challenged with the most. As an autistic person, neurodivergent person, a person experiencing Alice in Wonderland syndrome. Another one is use some sensory integration techniques. What does that mean? Well, I mean, it's just fancy really for sensory tools. <laughs> Weighted blankets can be helpful for some people, not for others. Deep pressure massage. Have you tried that? That might help. Anything that reduces your... Stress levels, reduces your triggers, reduces the 
manifestation of these types of challenges, these types of perceptual issues. Visual aids are also good. So we're talking calendars, checklists, schedules. Because what they do is they help you as an individual, whether you're autistic or you are not only neurodivergent, but you know, have Alice in Wonderland syndrome. They help you, I guess, manage your time and activities more effectively. Now that can help you with everything right down to your sleep and your stress levels. Seeking support from others is also really important. Now this might mean you want to find some online support groups. This might mean you just want to get the help from your family or reach out to friends. It might mean you talk to a healthcare professional. Whatever it helps in managing the idea that you can have yourself in a more regulated place, managing your triggers, your stresses, your challenges. And that's what it's about. Now, now this, is, this is the thing about support stuff, right? People don't know where to start, and I don't know where to start. I don't, people ask me all the time, I don't know. What I would suggest, though, that I've found, the people that resonate with me and I resonate with them the most, are basically like-minded people, late-diagnosed autistic adults. Do you know anyone? Because if you don't, I've just told you, I have a purpose-built, ready-made, pretty much late-diagnosed autistic community and, you know, and also parents of autistic kids on my YouTube channel. The videos, they comment, they talk to each other. The live streams, they talk to each other. It's a community. So they, that's what I reckon. Don't reach out so much for like these bizarre support groups that are put together or designed or advertised by like autism organizations run by neurotypical people. They, they're basically making money out of you. They're getting, and they get, grant, they get grants and funding and maybe still charge you and like whatever, man, whatever. Just find people like you and just talk to each other and enjoy each other's company. You shouldn't need you shouldn't need to make bookings or pay money or provide details and forms to organisations to to get support from your peers. Oh my goodness, God help me. <laughs> anyway, that is our little discussion today on something that I think is just truly bizarre, surreal, fascinating, amazing, and just off-putting. And that is Alice in Wonderland syndrome. <laughs> My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. Catch up on all the episodes at orionkelly.com.au. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much for your support. I really do appreciate it. We are doing great things, helping raise a level of understanding, acceptance and appreciation of the autistic community. Not remotely possible without you. This is our community. This is our mission and we are doing great things. So thank you so much for your support until my next video podcast, podcast or YouTube video or whatever, book, whatever. Thank you so much for being a part of this amazing community, watching, listening, sharing, and we will talk soon, my friend. You've been listening to My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. To join the conversation, get in touch with Orion and binge all the podcasts, blogs and videos, visit orionkelly.com.au.